Hello folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Federalist Files. On today's show, State Department wouldn't allow private evacuations out of Afghanistan. They have yet to even evacuate anybody since uh, since the very beginning of September. Fauci lied to Congress about gain-of-function research. Uh, college football flips the bird to the establishment. Joe Rogan flexes on all of his ivermectin haters and the incoming tax burden from the Biden administration. folks thank you for tuning in to another episode here uh that was joe biden he was in new jersey he came by jersey for the relief effort uh as it relates to the tropical storm ida he showed up he had people heckling him pretty much uh throughout whatever town i think he's in i want to say maybe manahawkin not manahawkin i can't remember exactly what town he was in but if you see he's there with governor murphy as well as the new jersey state police from what it looks like he's got some uh a security detail with him as well and people are heckling him saying you left people in afghanistan and these are people that also have had family members that died in combat uh, in the middle east war over these last 20 years and yeah that's that's uh joe Biden. it's it's amazing this is a red this is supposed to be a blue state in new jersey and the people in jersey were even pissed like when biden got off of his airplane there was people protesting him on his uh special detail as he was driving to whatever location he ended up here, people were still heckling him and protesting him. So it's it's just funny that this is a blue state here. And I actually have another story, uh, Virginia Tech football game as well, where people were yelling F Joe Biden. That was the chant pretty much in college football this weekend. The entire like the entirety of college football, mostly it's it's popularized in the South. So there was just chance of of f joe biden throughout all of these games it's hilarious so to get to some of this news as it relates to afghanistan i hate to continue to harp on it but uh it's pretty bad uh, it's pretty bad stuff that we have going on so the the state department is admitting right now that there's very little that they can do for americans but you're also getting a conflicting story from from jen Psaki and a bunch of other biden officials as well so it is a little weird, it's a little convoluted what's going on, because we're hearing one story uh, from the actual State Department, we're hearing stories from Republicans, and then we're hearing a completely different story from the establishment themselves, saying, oh no, there's no issues, we have no problems here, everything's fine, we're going to get people out of Afghanistan, and then when you ask them the question, well, how many people have you gotten out of Afghanistan uh, they don't have an answer to the question, so it is very odd of what's going on right now uh, in Afghanistan. So, let's get to this story. Uh, there's little the State Department can do for Americans trapped in Afghanistan. This is a free beacon story. It's written by Adam Credo. Uh, it starts off, 
At least six chartered planes are attempting to evacuate these Americans and others from Mazar Sharif International Airport, pretty much the airport in Kabul. But the Taliban is reportedly preventing them from taking off. Since it evacuated U.S. military forces and diplomatic personnel from the war-torn country, the Biden administration has not had the resources necessary to ensure the flights chartered by nonprofit groups and others can depart Afghanistan. So right now... We have not had an evacuation since the very end of um, August out of Afghanistan because we can't ensure the safety of of those transport vehicles or those transport planes uh, in this case, which is amazing. The strongest military power in the entire world cannot ensure their own people evacuate out of a third world country because of a terrorist organization. They're, they're afraid of getting shot out of the sky at this point. So to go on, a State Department spokesman said, told the Washington Free Beacon, and I quote, We do not have personnel on the ground. We do not have air assets in the country. We do not control the airspace, whether over Afghanistan or elsewhere in the region. We understand the concern that many people are feeling as they try to facilitate further charter and other passage out of Afghanistan. So once again, we're being told that we do not have the, this is amazing, greatest military in the world, does not have the power to evacuate a third world country because of because of a Taliban, the Taliban uh, terrorist organization, which now they're calling themselves, I think, the Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan. They're trying to put themselves on a world stage, make themselves a country, uh, internationally and, and be recognized by the UN Council. So while the State Department says it has little to no information about the situation, but is pressing the Taliban to make good on its promise to allow Americans to leave the country, Republican lawmakers are now raising the alarm that the Taliban is grounding planes as leverage to extract concessions from the Biden administration. So yeah, they're looking for money in this case. Uh, we're already being told right now $6.4 billion we're going to need to place refugees in the United States and other countries. Biden's already asking the Congress for $6.4 billion. I have Representative Mike McCall talking about this. He's a, he's a Republican representative specifically talking about this, this problem that we have, this conflict, and how we have yet to move anybody in, out of Afghanistan since we, we stopped the effort in August, at the very end of August. Uh, play clip six. Since we left the country on Friday, how many Americans have gotten out of Afghanistan? Since we pulled out, how many Afghan allies have gotten out since the Taliban was in complete control of the country? I understand. Zero. And in fact, we have six airplanes at Maza Sharif Airport, six airplanes with American citizens on them as I speak, uh, also with these interpreters, and the Taliban is holding them hostage for demands right now they we have the state has cleared uh, these flights and the taliban will not let them leave the airport so i'm sorry the answer to your question is zero and that's my concern is they're going to demand more and more whether it be cash or legitimacy as the government of afghanistan let, let me pick up on this because i didn't know this you're saying that there are americans on airplanes ready to fly out of afghanistan right now and they're not being allowed out because Taliban is making demands. What demands are the Taliban making? Well, they are not, uh, they are not clearing the airplanes to depart. They, they've set, sat at the uh, airport for the last couple of days, uh, these planes, and they're not allowed to leave. Uh, we know the reason why is because the Taliban wants something in exchange. This is really, Chris, turning into a hostage situation 
where they're not going to allow American citizens to leave until they get full recognition from the United States of America. My concern is that Zalkalizad, our special envoy, who's met with the Taliban, they're in talks right now, uh, and I think I, I worry his recommendation to the administration will be to recognize the Taliban as the official government of the United States, a, a Taliban organization uh, that is a terrorist organization. I usually try to keep the clips under uh, a minute, but that I felt like that one was fully necessary to understand, get the scope of all of this. Yes, the Taliban now, they're trying to implement themselves as the government on a national state or inter... Just drop my mic. On a international stage, the Taliban, they're trying to become recognized in that regard as the leader of Afghanistan. And they're asking for funding from the U.S. right now, and they're pretty much holding Americans hostage by saying, we are not going to let anybody be evacuated out of this country. This is going to be a quid pro quo. Um, you're going to have an Amer the American government doing what they did with the Iran deal, and they're just going to have to ship off money to the Taliban, and the Taliban's going to use it to rebuild, quote-unquote, or they're going to make it like they're going to use it for some sort of women's studies. That's how the American media is going to, they're going to shift the narrative on it. And what's really going to happen is that money's just going to the terrorist organization known as the Taliban, who wants to now be recognized as the uh, the government. So you got a question from, for Jen Psaki, had the media actually ask her a question on this. And it's only an audio clip, but listen to what she has to say. It's completely conflicting with the story that Michael McCall, a Republican representative of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, says, uh, play clip seven. In, in Afghanistan. Oh, I thought you were talking about, so that's an important thing. I, was, I, I, I thought you were talking about the Build Back Better agenda. Um, uh, no, that is not what we would characterize it as. Uh, those were points uh, that, that was those were comments made by a Republican congressman this weekend. So let me be very clear: we're in touch with American citizens. We're working to get them out. There are four who were able to depart over land. Uh, our Secretary of State is in Qatar right now, working on a range of options, including getting uh, flights up and operational and going. And what we have seen is that individuals who have documentation are able to depart or that that is what we have seen uh, but again uh, we don't have a great deal of understanding of every individual on these manifests so yes who really actually knows what's happening that's <laughs> that's what i gather from from what she just said there it seems like we're going to have a problem with this in the in the near future um there's probably going to be some sort of cash deal to the Taliban or a recognition on the world stage, maybe a UN Council of the Taliban being the governing body uh, of Afghanistan. So this is another very interesting story. It's pretty disgusting. The State Department wouldn't allow private evacuations from Afghanistan, Fox News piece. So really, because the State Department was too lazy and they didn't want to have to do their job, they did not want, and, and also this would have looked terrible for uh, the State Department, if the government was not able to get things done and they had to do private evacuations, kind of like what What's-His-Name was doing, um, Glenn Beck was doing, very similar to that. Uh, it's an article, it's written by Peter Hassan, Fox News, it's an exclusive piece as well. It states, the State Department refused to grant official approval for private evacuation flights from Afghanistan to land in third, uh, third country, third world countries 
even though the department conceded that official authorization would likely be needed for planes to land in those nations, an email reviewed by Fox News shows. Furthermore, the State Department explicitly stated that charter flights, even those containing American citizens, would not be allowed to land at Department of Defense or Defense Department air bases, pretty much military air bases. U.S. officials have pointed to possible security threats from landing charter planes at military bases, saying that they lack the resources on the ground to fully verify flight manifests. The Biden administration's delaying of private evacuation efforts has been a widespread source of frustration, infuriating rescue organizers, and even a prominent Democratic senator. So, I think what Glenn Beck did was he took the people to Egypt. And then apparently there's stories as well now that they're not even allowing those flights to go to other countries that are friends with the U.S. because somehow evacuation flights going out of Afghanistan, that is the jurisdiction of the United States, even if it goes to Great Britain. Uh, these, These private these private planes or these private evacuation efforts. It doesn't really make any sense. To me, what it seems like is the United States government is too lazy to do its job. The Defense Department is too lazy to do to do their due diligence of vetting people. Because right now what's going on is we're having uh, refugees come to the United States. They're claiming they're all vetted. They're not vetted. They're, they're, there's no way that they could take the volume of people, the thousands of people that are coming to the United States and vet each one individually with a language barrier. Uh, what kind of paperwork do you have on you? On, on your person uh do we have the database of people that were criminals in afghanistan if there even is one so no there's there's no vetting going on right now we're just allowing refugees to pour into the country and we're not sure what's going to happen what the ramifications are going to be for this if we're going to have another uh terrorist like attack or maybe if we're going to have an increase in sexual assault rates kind of like they had in london they had a doubling of sexual assault rates after Syrian refugees pretty much took over London. So we're, we have no idea the effects of this short term and long term, but we can't allow evacuation efforts to, to countries that aren't even the United States um, by private enterprise, because then it makes the United States look pathetic and sad, which we already do. So you have Eric Montalvo is one of the people that were trying to uh, help out with evacuation efforts. And, and once again, you can't. You, so you're telling me a guy like Glenn Beck, you guys couldn't background check him and realize that he had, that it was a positive for him doing so. Like, let's be real here. This is just political. You guys, you guys think that is Glenn Beck like some sort of criminal in the United States? I mean, he's a pretty prominent person. He's well known. He's renowned. He has a lot of capital and he just wants to help out, but you guys can't approve that. It's to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's just that it looks bad for the United States government that private enterprise has to get involved in evacuation efforts because they're unable to do it themselves. So a September 1st email that a state department official sent to uh, Eric Montalvo underscores the extent to which private evacuation efforts have run into bureaucratic roadblocks. So it's stated, and I quote, this is what the official had to say, no independent charters are allowed to land at uh, Kabul Air Base. The military air base you mentioned in your communication with Samantha, Samantha Power, in fact, no charters are allowed to land at, at a uh, DOD air base, Department of Defense, pretty much any military air base, and most, if not all, countries in the Middle Eastern region, with the exception of perhaps Saudi Arabia, will allow charters to land, the official wrote. It's very interesting. 
Uh, so yeah, you're not allowed to pretty much fly anything in here that's private. We're only allowing U.S. Uh, planes in, and that's it. I, I just don't understand. So, so do we not have the capabilities to recognize in the air which plane is which? Like, we don't. Ha I don't understand. Do we not have the military capabilities to do so? If you're telling me that's the case, then we're pathetic and we're sad. Uh, we're feeble. We're a feeble country, and we're going to come to our end very quickly. And I just don't think that is the case. I think this is strictly political. So it goes on to state uh, this official, and I quote, you need to find another destination country, and it can't be the U.S. either. Uh, the official noted that though some third, third world countries may require official approval from the State Department before accepting the private charter flights, the department will not provide that approval. So the official said, some of these other countries... They may provide, they may need our approval, the State Department, I'm assuming because it's an American uh, private enterprise trying to help out. And don't worry, we're not going to give you that approval. So you can't even fly people from from Kabul airport to a third world, a third country, as, as I was saying, or a third world, wherever. You can't do it anywhere because the U.S. won't even give you the approval to do that either. They're not even coming to the United States. They'd be going somewhere else. And, and no, that's not okay in the, in the eyes of the State Department. It goes on, it states, and I quote, uh, Once you have had discussions with the host destination country and reach an agreement, they may require some in indication from the USG that we approve of this charter flight. Uh, Department of State will not provide an approval, but we will provide a no objection to the destination country government via the U.S. Embassy in that country, end quote. I mean, this is just, a, this is amazing to me. So, so during these evacuation efforts, we could have been evacuating more people, but the State Department decided that you couldn't, the private enterprise could not help out because it would have made them look bad. It would have made the administration look bad. And, and what they hide behind is the guise of, oh, well, we don't have the ability to vet you which is ridiculous. So you're telling me the United States, we have, there's no criminal records. There's none of, we don't have any public records or public knowledge of people. The IRS, how much money do they, do they collect every single year and you send in your private tax records? None of that's on the books. You can't vet anybody. You guys don't have the ability to do that in the United States government. Like how ineffective, how, how high can we set the standard for how ineffective we're going to be? Um, so during briefings on September 2nd, this is even better. This really takes the cake. This just wraps it all together. So this was September 1st when he got this email. Chris, uh, I think his name's David. Oh, Eric Montalvo. So this is the next day. So during briefings on September 2nd, the day after the official noted that the State Department would not be officially approving charter flights, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki and State Department spokesman, that dorky guy, Ned Price, both said that the Biden administration was not preventing planes from leaving Afghanistan, where they were the entire time through the State Department. So that's even better. We have our government working, and, and, and this has been going on now for a while, I'd say at least the last 20, 30 years. We have the government actively working against the American people. That's what's going on right now. We don't have the government. The government's interests are only to help them and the other oligarchs, that their, their friends, their buddies, their family, and all the American people can go screw. And it's very, it's quite evident by the reaction that we're seeing from the American people. A lot of people don't trust the government anymore. They don't trust anything, vaccination, whether it's vaccination, elections, uh, mask mandates, tyranny. They don't, they don't trust any of this anymore. The war effort, 
in a general sense, the war effort. People don't even want to get into a war ever again. Like, they don't even want to consider it. No one trusts the government right now. And it's because of things like this come out and the government has no answers. There's people that don't trust the government, and then there's the government sheep that shill for a party. That's that's really, th those are the two people that we have. So Fauci lied to Congress, and speaking of no trust in the government is a man. I mean, there's just so many so many great juicy stories today. Uh, Fauci lied to Congress about gain of function. Daily Wire piece, this is actually specifically this story. It's written by Ryan Savidra. But this story specifically is what I got my two strikes on YouTube for. And that's the reason why I don't broadcast this show on YouTube anymore. I've been waiting for the strikes to clear up. And then I'm kind of deciding whether or not to put it up. And just let myself get striked out of existence off of YouTube. But this is the specific story that I got my second strike on. Which is hilarious. So this week you have The Intercept. They reported 900 new pages of previously undisclosed information from the NIH, which the Intercept obtained through a uh, FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, that the EcoHealth Alliance used federal grant money to fund dangerous bat coronavirus research in the China lab. Um, the Intercept reported, and I quote, the bat coronavirus grant provided the EcoHealth Alliance with a total of $3.1 million, including $599,000 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology used in part to identify and alter bat coronaviruses likely to infect humans. Even before the pandemic, many scientists were concerned about the potential dangers associated with such experiments. The grant proposal acknowledged some of those dangers. Field, and I'm quoting, field work involves the highest risk of exposure to SARS or other COVID. While working in caves with high bat density overhead and the potential for fecal dust to be inhaled, end quote. So EcoHealth Alliance recognized and told the, um, the NIH ran by Dr. Fauci that this, this is a problem. I mean, this, this research could be deadly. This research, it's going to be dangerous. They still give them money, no problem. And so, so now we're no, we're, we know now that this grant specifically was given for gain-of-function research. It comes out in this 900-page report because of the Freedom of Information Act request. And we have Richard Ebright, who we've, we've talked about earlier in this show a couple months ago. And he's been commenting on this the entire time. He's a molecular biologist at Rutgers University. Uh, reviewed the material and told the Intercept that the, and I quote, viruses they constructed were tested for their ability to infect mice that were engineered to display human type receptors on their cell. So if you're testing with, this is friggin', if you're testing on mice to see how their receptors work and all this other, then you, what they do is they, they ramp up the virus, whatever this virus is, they make it much stronger, more potent, because then it's easier to um, to study it under a microscope or what have you, uh, and the effects of it. That's what they do. That is what gain-of-function research is, and that's what they were doing in the lab because they were shooting it in, into mice and they were trying to figure out um, their receptors on their cells. So Ebright, he also noted that the documents showed that the scientists were not only conducting the experiments with SARS-related coronavirus, but also mers uh, related coronavirus. He stated, and I quote, the materials show that the 2014 and 2019 NIH grants to EcoHealth with subcontracts to the Wuhan Institute of Virology funded gain-of-function research 
as defined in federal policies in effect in 2014 to 2017 and potential pandemic pathogen enhancement as defined in federal policies in effect in 2017 to present time. The materials confirm the grant supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses that combined a spike gene from one coronavirus with genetic information from another coronavirus and confirmed the resulting viruses would infect human cells, end quote. So, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yes, I was right about this Fauci thing. I was right from, about this Fauci thing in December. I think it was December 24th. It was Christmas Eve when I first started commenting about some of the things that Fauci was doing and saying. And I had a bunch of people that were s supposed scientists, even some of them in my family, that decided to attack me on it. And uh, then I made an episode about how inconsistent Dr. Fauci has been. And, and ever since I've been going after Dr. Fauci and I have been right this entire time, everything that I've said the last couple of months has been confirmed. And I've been vindicated. Um, and that's really it. That's just me bragging, saying I told you so. So next, uh, Richard E. Brady stated, and I quote, The materials reveal that the resulting novel uh, laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses also could infect mice engineered to display human receptors on cells, also known as humanized mice. The materials further reveal for the first time that one of the resulting novel laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses, one not been previously disclosed publicly, was more pathogenic to humanized mice than the starting virus from which it was constructed and thus not only was reasonably anticipated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity but indeed was demonstrated to inhibit or exhibit enhanced pathogenicity it's hard for me to say that word so yeah, yeah what they did was they modified the original coronavirus then they changed some of these cells in these rats to make them or mice rather to make them like human cells, and they mixed around the coronaviruses to make it more potent, more powerful, and more transmissible, have more effect, be more effective uh, of a virus, which is the definition of what gain of function research is. So they construct it, they constructed it in a way to make it more powerful of a uh, pathogen for these humanized mice. So really what they're doing is they're running tests on uh, how would this affect something very strong and potent like this? How would this affect humans? It's almost like they were they were planning on releasing it to the public and just making a very powerful virus, super virus or something like that. So he continued, he wrote, and I quote, The documents make it clear that assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology are untruthful. So their comments saying that they did not support gain-of-function research are untruthful. So now what we're calling for, we see people that uh, they're calling for Fauci to resign. I think Fauci should be in prison. I've been saying this for months now. I think Fauci should be in prison. He should be fully investigated by the uh, Department of Justice. He's not going to be. That's what Ron Paul, Rand Paul is calling for. I doubt it's going to happen. He, should, he shouldn't have a job. He shouldn't have had a job for a long time. 
but this will probably just continue the way it is. He'll probably still show up on news, hits. I don't know if anybody will actually hold his feet to the fire. At this point, they should, I would imagine. But the media has no credibility anyway. No one really believes anything they say at this point. And they probably, to an extent, even understand that they have no credibility and they, they lack it. And they're just carrying the water for the establishment and the DNC. So people, like I said, are, are starting to take COVID a lot less seriously because of stories like this. Uh, Dr. Fauci also, I mean, it's a living. We've been living under this now for a year and a half almost. Yeah, about about a year and a half now. So people aren't going to be taking this seriously much longer, I don't think. We're, we're seeing increase in rates, apparently. I don't, I don't even look at the news. I don't even look at the numbers because to me it's meaningless. I was living my life the same exact way as I was before. I was doing nothing differently. Because I wasn't afraid. Because I, if that is the way that I have to go, make my peace with the Lord, like that, that's just the way it goes. Unfortunately, I'm willing to accept that risk when I leave my house every day because I am an intelligent, comprehensive human being that can make my own risk analysis judgment. As most of you at home listening to this that aren't the far leftist liberal progressives angrily, you know. Uh, freaking out while watching this i'm sure you can as well make your own risk analysis so like i said people aren't taking this seriously i have this clip of uh and it's pretty awesome that they aren't i have this clip college football's back i used to watch a lot of college football i don't have as much time now to do so i don't watch the nfl anymore because all the woke crap same thing with the nba i don't watch them anymore mlb here and there i'll you know turn a turn a game on i don't really pay attention much uh to them either but here's college football you got v tech Virginia Tech, and I think they're playing North Carolina. Yeah, they're playing North Carolina in this game here. And just check out how epic this video is with the, the fans. And if, if you want to check this out, this is on Rumble. Uh, you're going to find it. Play clip five. pretty epic uh makes me want to actually watch college football yeah so virginia tech just so there's a visual for everyone that's listening virginia tech stadium is fully packed people jumping up and down as they play enter sandman and then when the you know i guess you would say the beat drops uh also there's some military members there as well jumping up and down which is pretty cool uh yeah when the beat drops everyone runs out to the stadium it reminds me of when i used to play uh, I played high school. I wasn't, you know, any big athlete. I wasn't a good athlete, but I was there. I was on the field. So, but yeah, that's it's pretty cool. I think that there's a lot of people that are starting to come around to the idea that if we don't stand up and we don't just continue to live our lives like we like we were before all of this, then it'll just never end. They'll try to perpetuate the same idea over and over again. Even at this point, if COVID case rate goes up, if the death rate is still the same as it as it was formerly then it doesn't really matter because the death rate is not enough to justify any type of shutdown. And we have a constitution which says 
the government holds no power in that regard to shut down the economy the way in which they have the last year and a half. So I have this doctor, and he's like a weird-looking Frankenstein. I don't even know where they got him from. Frankenstein-looking doctor, Dr. Peter Hotez. He's a Baylor College of um, Medicine Pediatrics and Molecular Virology professor. He looks nuts. I don't know where they got this guy from. But they have him on CBS uh, talking about how it's a problem and COVID Labor Day and people aren't treating this seriously enough. Uh, Play clip two. So, Dr. Hotez, when you see these large crowds and packed stadiums, what goes through your mind? Well, what goes through my mind, Vlad, is that we're having this incredible surge right now of COVID-19, although it's unevenly distributed in the United States right now in the South. The South is on fire. And in terms of this raging uh, epidemic, in terms of number of new cases, especially among young people, and now we've got 100,000 Americans in hospitals uh, right now as as we're speaking, and the deaths are climbing to over 1,500 uh, deaths a day, almost all of them uh, among the unvaccinated. And so it troubles me that we somehow have decided this is over, and the Delta variant now is surging across America. I think there's a little bit of hero worship going on with anyone that says that they're a doctor or they have a PhD in some sort of virology or they're a doctor of this or that or they're a scientist. Uh, there's a little hero worship going on with that in, in a lot of these CBS, CNN. They bring in all different doctors, and it's very easy to find a doctor that agrees with your political narrative and your political point of view because at this point, this is what it is. It's just political. It's strictly political. Uh, we've never shut down the country for a flu before. Flu has very similar death rates, especially for children. It's actually way worse, uh, the flu. And we always have a different strain of flu every single year. So even if you get the flu vaccine, you could still catch the flu because the strain by the end of the flu season will change to a totally different strain. Um, and they're just, they feel important, these doctors, these scientists. And that's why they continue, I think, to perpetuate this stuff. Because they personally, like, look, if you look at this guy, he's wearing a bow tie. He's somebody that probably had no friends when he was young. He's probably a loser. He probably has no friends in his per personal life. So he likes the aggrandizement right now. So he will continue to just perpetuate crap and keep this revol this uh, this revolving door going on. Because otherwise, then he would never be on CBS. Same thing with Dr. Fauci. No one would know your name, Dr. Fauci, otherwise, right? So you continue to perpetuate this stuff because you know that no one would listen to you otherwise. And you would get no... Uh, street cred i mean no one's no one's watching you uh no one is propagating you like like they have been this last year and a half if you pretty much become unknown to the population so i have this other clip i want to talk about this briefly and i meant to hit it on my last show how joe rogan everyone was hating on him because he used ivermectin they're saying it's it's a horse it's used for horses there's the human type of ivermectin then there is the horse type of ivermectin it's been approved by the fda by i think something like 50 years it won a nobel peace prize or something i mean it's it's well known uh and documented the credibility and validity of ivermectin as it relates to uh treating some of these i guess coronaviruses or what have you and Joe Rogan, he used ivermectin, he used an IV, uh, microdosed a bunch of vitamins, or, or megadosed a bunch of vitamins as well. So he did a lot of things. Uh, I think he also got shot up with what Trump got shot up with, which was, I can't remember, but it was the antibodies for COVID as well. And he was cured in about three days. He's also in tremendous shape as well, so he didn't have any problems. But the media made such a big deal out of this, making it like Joe, Joe Rogan's a murderer, and like he's a whack job, and 
really what it is is the media recognizes how effective Joe Rogan has been, how many viewers he has. It's at least 10 million people, I'm thinking, are subscribed to him, at least, probably even more than that. So they understand he has an influence on the public opinion, the public eye, much more than CNN does, even Fox News does. So that's why they go for this, the firing squad to take out Joe Rogan the best way that they can, because he can actually have a serious influence on politics, on uh, human, on what people decide to do and how they follow through and live their lives. And it's just pretty much a comedian that interviews a bunch of interesting comedians, as well as uh, some professors, some scientists, some philosophy guys, pretty much majors in any field of study. He interviews them. And they, they want to take him out from the from the legs. They're also probably very jealous of his influence because he's just some normal guy. He can go get a college academia degree. He's worked a lot of jobs. He did a lot of different things. Uh, he was on Fear Factor. Hardball was another TV show he was on. He's been a comedian for the last probably more than 30 years now. Uh, but yeah, so so I have Joe Rogan on his podcast talking about how CNN, talking about CNN and how maybe he should sue them as kind of like a joke. He talks to uh, Tom Segura, who's another comedian. Play clip three. Well, well, well. well if well, it well. isn't old horseworm Rogan, <laughs> I'm glad you're I'm glad you're well, man. Bro, do I have to sue CNN? Oh no, do you? They're making shit up. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, they won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for use in human beings. Yeah. And CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Yeah. What, so they must know that that's a lie. There's a lot of people saying it. (laughs) Right. But a lot of people can say it. Okay. Like the internet says it. Who cares? Sure. But But CNN is saying it. Like Jim Acosta. I meant like, uh, like USA Today, a few other places. Yeah, and they're talking about ivermectin, right? Yeah. So what, because I don't know, I just saw so much news yeah. about you. I mean, I would talk to you and check on you and see if you're all right. And you're like, <laughs> you, you you threw the kitchen sink at it, you said, yeah. which was stuff that, you know, you took IV drips and what was it? Mono what? Mono- monoclonal antibodies. And that, what is monoclonal antibodies? It's the shit they gave Trump. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he should. I mean... When you're a publisher, there's a different... When you are uh, CNN, you're considered a publisher as a media source. So, yeah, there could be a defamation of character lawsuit. He's not going to, obviously. Joe Rogan's made it. He's made, he's worth millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. But if he really wanted to, he could go forward with that. Um, just just for the fact that they are impugning his character, making it like he's some idiot that's that's taking a, ho- a horse dewormer which he isn't doing, and they know that, they know that, they're aware that he's actually not doing that, but anything that they can do, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, Joe Rogan's like libertarian, he's kind of liberal, a little bit on the left side in terms of uh, socialized medicine, stuff like that, but he still believes in the Constitution, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, things of that nature, so because of that, they want to vilify him, and a lot of his, his base of listeners are conservatives or young men, and by doing that, they think that if they attack Joe Rogan, they think all of these other people will turn their backs on Joe Rogan. They've been trying to go with this sissification of men for a long time now. They've been doing it. They want to take fathers out of the home. They want fathers to be tread upon by their wives. They want wives to essentially run the to, to run the household. And it's because women on are in a in a personal sense they're much more liberal with their politics they're much more democrat voting um so so what they want is they want women to run the households they want men to be womanified i guess is the word or sissified 
um, they want the men to be more feminine and let women run the household. They've, they've been going for this for a long time. Now it's kind of coming to fruition with all this tranny agenda stuff, all this sexual abuse of children, abortions, things of that nature. They want men to step down. They want men to bend the knee. And they no longer, they don't want them to be the head of the household. And they don't want women to, to be led by the men uh, in the house. They want the women to lead now, which is why they want, they want more women working. They want a breakdown of the family by not having a woman uh, in the household to raise their children. They want some stranger to raise your children. And they also want the government to really, they want the government as well to raise your children. So that that's, that's how the media apparatus as well as the establishment, the government, they're working against you in that regard because they don't want objective reality. They don't want men to be men, women to be women. I just saw a tweet by AOC. She just put it out today talking about how birthing, she's talking about menstruating people instead of saying menstruating women. Women can are the only ones that can menstruate. Men cannot menstruate. Whether a woman says that they transition to be a man, they're still a woman. So you only need to regard to, you only need to say what they are differentiate say it's a woman it's not a it's not a person it's not a uh it's just it's not a menstruating person it's so frustrating listening to this crap and and what annoys me the most is the republicans just they're just nowhere to be found on this they won't attack these ideas they won't attack the cultural ideas and the cultural icons and those are the things they should be attacking because the culture is really what influences the politics more than ever and because of that, that's how the Democrats win. Because if you look at who is relevant in the culture today, it's not uh, Ted Nugent. It's not the conservative base. If you're conservative, you have to hide in Hollywood. If you're conservative in, in news media, and if you're conservative in the in the song ind industry, the music industry, then you have to hide it. You can't say you are, or else your career is over. You'll never get a job again, especially in Hollywood. So I got the, this other article, uh, Democrats pushing for more taxes. Just thought it was a quick one that I would just mention here. They're talking about more taxes, obviously, for this $3.5 trillion in spending. Uh, Joe Manchin saying that he won't agree to it, as well as Christian, Kristen Cinema. So it probably won't pass through. They're going to have to change it around. He said that he's okay, Joe Manchin, with a trillion of the spending, but not $3.5 trillion of the spending. So I don't really know specifically what he's referring to, but he's only okay with less than a third of the spending that they have up there, which is a good thing if him and Kristen Cinema can hold up the vote on that. So raise, and these are the things, the implementations that they're going to follow through with in order to pay for this $3.5 trillion budget plan. It's a Fox News piece, or Fox Business piece, I'm sorry. It's written by Megan Heaney, or Henny. They want to raise the top individual income tax rate to 39.6%. Right now, I think it's 37%. And this would be related to anybody that makes, anyone that's single and makes more than $452,000 a year. If it's joint income, it's $509,000 per year, which is actually really not that much if you think about it. And uh, what else we got here? Raise taxes on capital gains and dividends for higher earners. So right now, taxes on capital gains are around 20%. Uh, for Americans that are earning more than one million, and I think that's—I want to say—that's long-term capital gains are twenty percent for pretty much across the board. I think progressive tax rates really aren't that are only related to short-term. Short-term would be anything that is uh, below twelve months, anything above twelve months, a year or more, 
essentially those have a different tax bracket, a much lower tax bracket. So they incentivize you buying and holding stock rather than, or buying and holding gains rather than uh, selling them off very quickly. It helps stabilize the market. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of any of it. Um, I think they shouldn't be impeding any markets, period, full stop. So this 20% capital gains tax would go to 39.6%. Now, this would be a complete decimation of the economy if they went forward, or at least the stock market. Now, if you're somebody that has a job where you're making, let's say, $50,000 a year, and you say, oh, I want to make a couple extra bucks, I save my money, rather than keep it in the bank, considering the government is defunding me by printing excessively, I'll take the money and I'll put it in the stock market, I'll put it in cryptocurrency, I'll put it somewhere, I'll do something with it to try to make an extra income off of it or make an extra gain. The government, by hitting the rich, the rich or people that are earning more than a million a year, which is roughly 500,000 households, with a 39.6% tax rate, that means that they will no longer be investing. That's what's going to happen. When you're getting taxed that highly, there's no point in investing and risking your money. Um, thus, it would cause all stocks to crash. It would cause a stagnation of all stocks. And if you're somebody that is a middle-class worker, if you want to make a couple extra bucks, it affects you there as well in your 401k, your IRAs, it also affects if you are a pension, somebody that has a, that's going to be drawing a pension anytime soon. Because those pension funds, what they do is they buy up assets. They buy up what they see as hard assets. They buy up houses, real estate, and then they also buy up stocks to compensate for the amount of money that you're putting into the system. So in the future, it can be worth more because the government is printing excessively. You wouldn't need a pension program. You wouldn't need a 401k. You wouldn't need an IRA if the government wasn't devaluing the dollar at the rate they are currently now. There is a need for all of those things because the government continues to print more and more money and devalue your currency. So you have to keep up with the inflation rates, unfortunately. So that's why Social Security does not work because the government, as it continues to devalue the dollar, that money that's given to Social Security is not invested anywhere. It just sits there, and then it's supposed to be handed out. And what happens now is there's a deficit. There's not enough money in the fund for Social Security. So they're taking money out of the general taxation, the federal tax withholding, to pay for all of those, uh, those recipients of Social Security. That's why the whole system is totally screwed up. So they want to also increase the levies on inherited taxes. I went over this last show. Uh, inherited taxes... So if, if uh, I have a $100 million house, or let's just make it more simple, I have a $100,000 house, I bought it in, you know, now, and 30 years from now, I go to sell it, that 100, or, or rather, I die, I pass it off to my daughter, $100,000 house is what I bought it at, now the house is worth $1 million, so there's a gain of $900,000 there, that would not be inherited under the current tax law, it would not be inherited by my daughter. My daughter would not have to pay any of those taxes. Their cost basis, it would pretty much wipe everything out. Their cost basis for that house, that real estate, would be $1 million. So it's pretty much like I'm passing off this piece of property to my daughter, and they treat it like my daughter paid $1 million for the property, and there's really no taxes at this point until you go to sell it. Then there's obviously like a sales tax or whatever, but there's no capital gains tax on, on that, uh, on that property. Now what they want to do is they want to change that system up and they want the person that inherits it to have to pay a tax on all of the capital gains that I accrued over the last 30 years, 
which is a problem because then it's almost like you're passing debt on to somebody else in the family, which is illegal. Um, and they used to have debtors prison, things of that nature. So it's just, it's just totally screwed up and it's just ways to, to raise and gain more, more, uh, more capital for the government to spend away and spend on public contracts to family members that work in the government. It's a joke. Uh, they want to also end the private equity tax breaks. This one I thought was really interesting. So private equity for firms, they have certain tax breaks. Um, this would apparently help them raise another $63 billion a year. I don't really know much about this one specifically. Uh, they want them to pay higher taxes, really. That's all I, all I got. And then, obviously, the higher taxes on... Uh, on corporations right now the corporate tax rate 21 percent this was 2017 republicans voted this one through uh the tax breaks tax cuts now it's going to be they want to raise it to 28 percent which will stifle economic growth and uh yeah, the ones that benefit the most from that 21 percent are going to be small business owners because really you're just now cutting cutting off their ability their margin and big corporations like amazon that call for tax hikes and call for increased minimum wage will decimate them because they have the bankroll to do so because they work on the, yeah if they work on those same small margins it doesn't matter though because the magnitude of how big their corporation is is much larger than the mom and pop store they can afford to hire more accountants they can afford to hire more lawyers to fight some of these tax laws and and kind of and, and make out on some of these tax uh, loopholes so there's that uh, I got a couple quick headlines here. I'm making pretty good time today, actually. Yeah, I'm making pretty good time. So, these quick headlines. I got a rate. The rate of people leaving California is twice as high as last year, and this is related to the economy in California. It's pretty much uh, destroyed, thanks to Gavin Newsom, who's being recalled right now as we speak. I don't really know. They're saying it's like a 50-50 chance Larry Elder can beat him right now. I don't know how speci how the specifics of this election, how it goes, the recall vote. It's definitely not good for him. The Democrats right now are spending, I think, $25 million or They're throwing money into California like crazy because they're afraid of... You know how pathetic it is, the liberal stronghold, if the governor there gets recalled, it would be pathetic. And it would show their inability to lead on some of this COVID stuff. It would show how ineffective they were and how the people want liberty and freedom rather than lockdowns. So Biden, once again, I mentioned this before, Biden asks Congress for $6.4 billion to relocate Af Afghan refugees. That's a uh, Washington Examiner piece. It's hilarious. Uh, just more spending. So U.S. created data. This this one's very interesting. The U.S. created databases, in the, and now those databases are in the hands of the Taliban. So yes, they, they created these da databases that are supposed to be for the civilians in Afghanistan over the past two decades. They spent millions of dollars on building these uh, these databases for these people, and now they're in the hands of the Taliban. Which I guess we're gonna have to see what ends when, what ends up happening if those people, if it's written into those databases, who is a sympathizer of the United States, then those people may be in some serious uh, jeopardy. I thought that was always interesting to kind of mention because it talks a little bit here about management with the army and the police payroll. So then they would know who's in the military and who's not and who's on the police payroll and who to take out first because those are the people that would have guns. That would be the revolutionary force, if you will, if they wanted to overthrow the Taliban. So those are the people that they would probably behead first on top of whoever's American around the area they'd probably go for as well. 
Uh, very last one here. Supreme Court struck down the eviction moratorium. This happened about a week or so ago. I, want, I completely forgot to talk about it. Yeah, they, sh they shot it down, said it was unconstitutional. Essentially, I think it was a 5-4 vote. Liberals are still out there freaking out over this, saying that it's not right. And, and oh, this is the best one. Over this abortion thing in Texas, there are... See, I think it was a CNN host saying that there needs to be an investigation with Robert Mueller, meaning the FBI needs to investigate the Supreme Court because them and the Republican Party are in bed together because of this uh, this abortion ban, or not even it's really not even a complete ban of abortion in Texas, which I think is just I mean this is outrageous. This this goes to show, like I said in the last show, that their number one priority, the Democrat Party, is to kill your children. Like that that's all they, they care about, just indoctrinating you. And they think that the best way to do so, the best method to do so, is f to force you, not even force you, to make you in your mind willingly accept killing your own child and or abusing your own child with some of these uh, tranny, these, these um, what is it, these hormone replacement therapies or hormone drugs to give your children to try to transition them over to uh, be transgender. It just shows that, that this is this is how desperate they are. That they want to investigate. They're talking about how the, the Republican Party and the Supreme Court are in bed together. That's amazing to me. The Republicans, both for the most part, don't even care about abortion. They don't. The conservatives do. The Republicans don't. They're, they're okay with abortion. Guys like Mitt Romney, he's, he claims he's uh, a Mormon. He's okay with abortion. He doesn't really. He doesn't really care about it. Which I, I just I think it's funny because the Republicans have nothing to to do with some of that stuff. What it is over there is just you have some really hardcore conservatives living in Texas. So that'll uh, conclude this one. I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in as always. Please like, share, subscribe. Let people know about the podcast. Drop the mic as in my name, Mike. And yeah, we're seeing more viewership on the page as well. We're getting some on the Facebook page. We're getting some more likes, some more followers. So this is nice. I mean, uh, in terms of podcast listeners, we're seeing a pretty solid increase over the last couple of weeks. So I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, enjoy your week. I will see you all on Saturday for the weekend special. Thank you.